What up, party people? Now, I'm no weatherman, but the forecast says it is a pretty damn good day to have a damn good day with a chance of mild precipitation because people are always trying to rain on your parade. Every day, I feel like we got to work towards believing that statement and just working towards being happier and enjoying the day and enjoying everything it has to offer us. And at the same time, we need to keep pushing towards these goals and these dreams and turning them into reality. There are too many people right now that are less qualified currently living your dream. So it's time we step up and make moves. And today's guest, Spencer Taylor, is the epitome of someone who turned his dreams into a reality. But before we get into that, if you're new to the podcast, our mission here is twofold. To educate aspiring entrepreneurs by dissecting the come-up stories of incredible humans by extracting the golden nuggets that you can apply now to better your life. And second, to have all my friends in my life that are making moves to meet my other friends in life making moves to create one giant community of extraordinary people. Now, I'm really stoked about this episode because I met Spencer. Spencer Taylor a long time ago back in our first company, Bima. Spencer used to do this thing where he would interview a lot of people from multiple different teams and he would create this thing called YPR All Access, creating this whole culture around the network marketing company we were in. That chapter of life was so freaking epic and I thank my lucky stars I got involved and you can hear the whole story of what went down with that in episode eight where we talked to BK Boreco. But after that, I always kept tabs on Spencer and seeing what he was doing. I saw that he was working with Bob Proctor doing filming and videography work with him. If you don't know Bob Proctor, he is one of the biggest people behind the movie The Secret and Law of Attraction is his game. He's actually the first person that introduced Law of Attraction to me and it changed my life forever. So I was always thinking to myself, I mean, if you're editing footage of Bob Proctor all day, you're going to get some pretty serious personal development and that's exactly what happened to Spencer. Spencer went on to co-found a self-help and self-appreciation company called Vibe Source. Vibe stands for visualize yourself better every day. Their Instagram account Vibe Source is approaching one million followers already and it's just a great message good vibes good people you know look at the account you just can't help but smile and it makes you feel good but what fascinates me the most about Spencer is his biggest passion and that is filmmaking specifically documentary filmmaking Spencer has done amazing work raising awareness for things like mental health climate change he just recently came back from Bolivia shooting a video of the fires that went down there and has begun work on his biggest project yet creating a documentary on education Spencer has this ability to surround himself with fantastic people and he has recently co-founded the impulsive podcast with logan paul on this episode we discuss the issues plaguing the education system and solutions to solve it, the evolution of documentaries and where they're heading, the relationship between the mind and what you eat, and understanding the meaning behind positive thinking and the law of attraction. You can watch this podcast with Spencer and I live from the Len Jones studio on YouTube. And if you find this content valuable, we ask you to like, comment, and share the good vibes. Now, without further ado, episode 55, let's get into it. Boom. We're here. Spencer Taylor. What up, man? How you doing? I'm doing great, bro. It's nice to see you. Living the dream. We should have recorded our, our conversation that we had a couple days ago. That was podcast worthy. I was telling Sky that the other day. I was like, damn, that thing was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So I apologize if we go over some of those things, but let's dive in. What I love about you and your story is that you have gone through a lot in a short period of time. You've gone through a lot of personal growth and you've had the luxury and the privilege, but also the struggle to had to, you know, succeed and fail in multiple different things to get to where you're at today. Yeah. Now you have, you know, it seems that you just have access to this limitless potential in your brain. You truly 
truly believe you can do and manifest anything and it shows in your life with what you're doing mm-hmm. and just recently i saw your film with the rainforest in bolivia yeah thank you so thank you. are you just sitting home one day and you're seeing this you're like you know what i'm gonna go out there i'm gonna make some moves dude it's it's all on the fly for me i think that's like how i try to live life i think there's so many structures that society has and it's just the way we grow up. It's the way our education system treats us. So I try to be creative. Like if something comes on, if someone's, if something's placed on the table in front of me and it's a cool opportunity and it makes sense, you know, I'm going to do it. And so I, I got invited to a lunch meeting and you know, the guy I sat down, his name is Nick Rose. And he's actually the reason why the Amazon fires became a viral thing. He sent the image to Leonardo DiCaprio. So I had a lunch meeting with him, a mutual friend of ours, Paulo Moreno, he connected us. And then, you know, I was just like, yo, do you want to come down to the Amazon? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so like, you know, five days later, I was down on a plane down to Bolivia. Is Paulo the guy who's running for mayor? Uh, no, I don't know anything about politics. I, I'm not gonna lie. Right. I remember you, I saw in the video, there was some dude there that was like the, some- Oh, down in Bolivia. No, uh, Paulo is... Uh, Logan Paul's CEO got over it. at Maverick. Gotcha. And so I've got a really good relationship with him since I was working with Logan. Um, and he's just, he's really helped me out on a, a lot of the business side of things because I'm definitely more of a creative. Interesting. It's cool because when we first met was back in Vima days through network oh, yeah. marketing, which oh, yeah. connected so many people. <laughs> it did. And what was very interesting in that prem- in that situation was there was a lot of company, there was a lot of leaders that didn't know each other. Everyone was kind of running their own teams, but you had this really cool mission that you were doing you ran this company called ypr all access or if it was a video series and yep. basically you would interview all of these interesting people and, and just put it all together and i think that's when we first met and the series was um, your videos were fantastic dude thank you yeah the vision back then so you know vima was a awesome opportunity to connect with people in college that were entrepreneurs that were doing just something different man like they weren't going the traditional nine to five, like get a job, get a stable career. These were people that were down to shake up the system and that's always driven me. Um, so yeah, I started making videos and just like helping out wherever I could. Uh, so yeah, that led me all over the country, literally all over the world. I started traveling in college. I'd be in like Austria and then I'd be sitting in my college classes the next day. Like it was just a, it was a crazy lifestyle back then. Is your first love filmmaking? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. My, ever since I was a young kid, my grandpa always had like a giant ass camera that he would be filming us with. And, um, it was just, I was always around cameras. And I remember my parents bought this, uh, Sony like camcorder and it had a pop out tape and my sister and I would just make home videos and it was so much fun, dude. I I fell in love with it for sure. Back when I was really young. Yeah, we were just talking about the evolution of cameras. It's going so quick. Uh, this mm. photographer, he's shooting in the jungle. Shaz is his name. We're going to have him on the podcast soon. He says they shoot in 8K now in the oh, jungle. Yeah. I recently saw the series Our Planet. It's easily the most visually yeah. appealing, beautiful work of art I've ever seen. I mean, it's yeah. like, damn, you just can look at nature and that's better than any film that's coming out. Yeah. It's amazing. I love that stuff, man. I think national geographic and our planet those types of pieces of content have really motivated me i think when you see nature like that you're like damn dude this planet's sick like we got to take care of it and i think you know there's a clear um there's there's clearly issues that we're causing as humans and you can see it and 
nature is like the most entertaining thing. When you zoom in and get those new shots, it's like we're seeing things like never before. Or you see like some lizard running away from like 50 snakes, like like 10,000 snakes. Have you seen that clip? That is easily probably the greatest clip I've ever seen in my life. It's crazy. And he gets away. And that like he didn't boss. he didn't get no medal. No, he just survived. No, that's just nature for you. Bro. Nature is you savage. Yeah, you got to get away from the snakes. Yeah, have you? Do you know the Instagram account Nature is Metal? No. It basically is exactly what it sounds like. It tells you all the most effed up things that happen in nature, but yeah. just kind of just puts like a, yo, shit is real. <laughs> yeah, things go dude. down in the world. Nature's no joke. Yeah. You used to have to, I mean, we're like so safe now, you know, like <laughs> too but, safe. Yeah. If you like unplug yourself and you're in the jungle, you're like, damn, dude, I'm like, I'm not at the top of the food chain. Like I got to fend for myself. We were almost, you we were talking about yesterday. I was telling you that I need to work on deep plugging more and just getting more in touch with nature. It's just, I think everybody who's listening could agree that maybe at some point they could probably be in the same situation. I feel like maybe by having my phone on me all the time, I do feel safe. The phone is almost this safety thing because we are so connected. Yeah. Like just putting it away and going out on a walk by yourself, I feel like just stimulates that mm. sense that you're out mm-hmm. here. You're you're in the jungle. You're making moves. I feel like we need to do that more. Yeah, definitely. So I had, we were talking the other day. I, I studied with Shaolin monks for a little bit. And um, the Eastern philosophies are really special because, you know, the, the philosophies in a sense teach you how to reach these levels of consciousness without any psychedelics without a phone you know like telepathy like there's all this stuff that i've just been fascinated with ever since i started learning about it so in the back of my mind i'm always like hey a cell phone i don't need it to communicate right so i guess when i'm using it it's just kind of a luxury and switching that mindset of understanding there is a way like i'm not gonna lie like there's plenty of work i have to do to master my mind i don't think we ever master it but i think when you understand that a a cell phone is just a mechanism it's just a tool for us to connect but there's a higher level of us connecting i think that keeps a balance right it keeps a it keeps a desire to unplug it's cool because after the whole vima journey went down you took a very big step that i feel like must have been a very solid play for you at the time. And that was working with Bob Proctor. How did that come apart? How did you get that opportunity with Bob? And because I remember a few months after everything goes down, I see, you know, Spencer in private jets with Bob P, you know, the legend of law of attraction at the time. And he was like the godfather. He's the one who introduced it to us in, back in those days. Yeah. That must have been pretty powerful. Definitely. Yeah. I remember I was in my college dorm room and um at michigan state and i was just feeling i was hella lost man i was super broke um going into debt for college had no idea what i wanted to do and i was reading a book called the laws of success uh from napoleon hill and i just i remember reading the book and in the very beginning of the book it talks about this book is based off of basically the mindset of like 500 of the world's most successful and wealthiest people of the 1900s and I remember saying, you know what, like my way of thinking is, is just not working. Like it's just not. And I got real with myself and I was like, I'm going to read this book and I'm going to apply this book. Like for sure I'm going to apply it. And I started to read it. I started to apply it. I started setting goals. And I remember I put a vision board on my wall with like a private jet, like all the things I wanted and the places I wanted to travel And literally within a year, I was flying on a private jet with Bob Proctor. Like in that dorm room when I was lost, I had absolutely no 
you know, absolutely no concept of what was coming. I think for me, I just bought into a whole different way of thinking and that just motivated me to how quickly things can change. It's cool. Your awareness shifted that you were aware that your brain was thinking differently. Definitely. I think there's a lot of people that are aware, say that, say the education system's jaded or that their job might not be their full love or that, you know, their partner might not be the person, but they're, you know, not willing to just take that step into the unknown. Yeah. And the biggest changes come with the smallest things. Like it's all in the details, like how you react, how you judge, how you talk about people behind their backs, like all the energy that you're putting out that dictates what you attract. And so a lot of people read these books. A lot of people read the same books as me. A lot of people, you know, were aware of that stuff, but they weren't applying it, right? You can read a book. That doesn't do shit. You have to actually do something with it. So, you know, I would see people reading the same book as me, and then they're talking shit about someone behind their back. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, shouldn't you know this book is telling you that that's not, it's not serving you. It's only hurting you. And so everybody's ego is what they're dealing with. They're, that's the biggest thing that you have to tackle. The biggest enemy is yourself. Like, if you're vulnerable and you can admit your way of life is not leading you to your highest self and your highest potential boom you found (laughs) you found the issue it's yourself yeah a hundred percent and that comes down to vibe source your whole mission your philosophy Mm -hmm. vibe stands for is it um visualize yourself better every day exactly you got it tatted got it tatted Boom. boom there it is yep so the day you learned about vibe, was it just kind of like, oh, okay. It started with the vibrations. Yeah. And then you're, this just worked well with what you were learning. Yeah. I, I remember I was reading about the law of vibration and I started to work with Bob Proctor and he's all about the law of vibration. Like the law of attraction is a secondary law. The primary law is the law of vibration. So whatever you put yourself in harmony with, you attract, you know, it's, it's, about shifting your mindset and thinking and feeling, more so feeling as if you already have what you want and what you're creating, that's how it attract that's how it comes to you. That's how all the, you know, the connections start to be made and then the more you move forward it happens. So I've always been fascinated by vibrations. Like everything around it, like this microphone, the desk, you know, the audio going into people's headphones right now, that's all a vibration. So our words, everything we speak is powerful. Um, have so you yeah. ever, have you ever been a musician? Uh, I've got one song that I released actually on Spotify. Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. It's called Palm Trees. Shout out. Yeah. I plan on making a lot more music. I have some in the works, but I've got so much on the plate right now with documentary film. So that's first and then music. I love music. Here's a question. What would you say to a skeptic, somebody that is thinks you know you you hear right now spencer's like oh well i put this on my vision board of a private jet and then a year later i blink and i'm there you know there's always a big gap between the taking action towards your dreams as well as the visualization how would you kind of direct somebody to completely stop being a skeptic about believing the law of attraction and implementing it yeah i mean my biggest thing is what do you got to lose yeah like if your life is shitty and you can recognize it and you can just be like, damn, my life is not as good as I want it to be, then stop being a skeptic, like try stuff, you know? And I think once you start trying stuff, that's when you can start to refine it and that's when you can start to make it your own. But if you have the ego up front and you're like, no, that doesn't work, you know, then you're closed off to it. Yeah. Then it, it could work. And um, I think it's, it's a process that people have to go through. The ego is right? the front facing demon yeah. crushing us all. Yeah, I think, I mean, the ego 
is is our greatest teacher because when we have these great successes and if we ever let ego get to us we lose it and then we learn how to overcome it so ego is necessary right like ego is kind of what's driving the destruction of our planet but it's necessary because it's like the light and the dark the yin and the yang you know it's it's um it's something that we ultimately get to choose every single day do i want to make decisions do i want to do things based off of ego or do i want to do it because that's the right thing to do when you study with the shaolin monks was that one of the biggest purposes almost are they all about that eliminating ego yeah yeah big time i think the Eastern and the, we were talking about this, the Eastern and the Western philosophies, I think there's a hybrid that meets right in the middle. I think when you go to some Eastern, you know, practices like monks, some of them think women are the enemy, like stay away from women, stay away from all desires. Don't do anything like, you know, go meditate and, you know, cash out when you're ready. And I don't think that's, that's the move for me, at least it might be for some people, but I think there's a there's a blend between, you know, having a vision, creating goals and creating something, being creative, but then also taking what's good from the Eastern philosophies, which is eliminating the ego, you know, taking yourself out of it and living for a higher purpose. I think all religions talk about that. You know, I don't think it's just Eastern philosophies. I think everybody down to their core uh, with, with religious, you know, principles believe that there's a higher power yeah. and that's more important than us. We're just, we're just here to, you know, experience, to grow and to learn and to play and have fun and all that kind of stuff. I think it's interesting that you met this Shaolin monk actually at a Bob Proctor seminar. Is that yeah. what you said? Yeah. He attended the seminar. Um, it, it was, you know, a seminar that cost like 15 grand to go to and, you know, he's wearing a suit. It wasn't a traditional monk. And, he really stood out to me and he could read energy, you know, it was, it was a whole different level. You know, there's, there's a lot of like success and material things and all that kind of stuff that didn't ever resonate with me. I wanted to create, I'm a creative, so I love material things. Like I'm down for that, but what's higher on the, on the spectrum for me is just inner happiness inner yeah. peace. And yeah, the, the Shaolin is all about that. It's all about tapping into that. The deeper you go into learning about all that, do you feel like your ability to read energy improves? So anybody that's listening can tap into this new way of thinking and slowly and surely they'll be able to read energy and be able to feel everything more. Some people can read energy more because they're more empathic. You know, they can feel things a lot more. And also, you know, it's all about aligning yourself with the, the pure frequency. Like we were talking about this. I think the more pure you become, the more you can read energy, you can feel it. Like your intuition isn't lying to you. It's saying, no, nah, that's not the right way to go. That's not the right person. But everybody can feel energy. A lot of people just have been abusing their intuition. So now their intuition's lying to them. And that's a really dangerous place to be because we've all done it. We've all been like, oh, this is a really good opportunity. I'm going to do this. And then you find out, you know, two years later, six months later, whatever, you're like, oh, that was horrible. These people were terrible. What was I thinking? Yeah. You know, so that's, that's a big, that's a big thing that you have to tap into is understanding that intuition. I feel like the people that are big in the energy world, they tend to be more in the, in the now they live in the present more and you can see it on their faces and the look of joy and happiness Yeah. because they're feeling it. They're feeling life instead yeah. of looking towards the future, living on our future predicaments, looking at our phones, looking at the notifications, just living in someplace else. They're just in the moment. And that's something I struggle with. 
but it's something that I'm trying to master. Yeah. Well, I used to want to read people's energy, right? I was like, oh, I want to learn how to do that. And it that. sounds like something like you're right. like an airbender. Like yeah, it, sound, it sounds epic. <laughs> but the reality of it is in order to read energy, you don't need to like practice a bunch of stuff and like go, you know, dip off into a mountain and tap in. Like you don't need to do that. Train a wild but, tiger. Yeah. I mean, it'd be lit. Don't get me wrong, but you don't need to do it. I think the the best thing that you can do to, to read energy is purify yourself and you know, instead of concerning yourself with like reading other people's energy, it's more just become pure, right? Tap into yourself, tap into when you're born as a child, you're pure. That's why kids just bring so much joy because they're fresh from source. So that's what we aspire. That's what we should aspire to be like mm. is mimic kids, right? Kids aren't greedy. Kids aren't trying to like steal. They're just experiencing. They're just open vessels. So I think kids kind of teach us like everything we need to know about what it means to truly be pure and the more pure you are and the more, you know, uh, you know, in control of your intentions that you are, like you, you really truly have good intentions. Life is going to lead you to all the right people and it's going to reveal to you all the wrong people. True. And not all the wrong people are people to stay completely away from but they are people to recognize and they're people to watch out for. And the people that have had success in any facet of life have been around this enough to be able to probably recognize it much more than others. Yeah. So even if you change your energy and you change who, like just your overall perspective, if you're a good person and you don't have these awful intentions, chances are you are going to be able to connect with that person. Cause I have found mm -hmm. people are very open to sharing their stories. Definitely. People are really open to sharing their um, philosophies they want to do it it's one of those things that once you know it you want to share it which is yeah. why youtube's so successful right big, big time big time it's interesting i i go back to all of this whole idea of the film and the, the world and something that blows my mind with you is that you have been able to learn a lot but because of your film background you can actually put it into actionable change yeah but before i get into that if there was somebody that wanted to get into all of those years of when you were in the shaolin business right yeah is there a certain book or something that you would direct someone if they wanted to get like a, like, I don't know, four week course and what you learned over those years with that mentor? Yeah. I'm not, honestly, I'm not that good with, with books and names of books. Like I think everybody's path is so different. Like I don't like recommending a specific book to people. I think it's just like, there's already enough podcasts out there. There's already enough yeah. books out there. Just find the books that resonate with you and then take the best from that. Find the mentors out there that you resonate with and go work with them. Like that's the biggest, th I, I think above a book, it's like find somebody who really actually, you know, draws you to them and, and go, go study there. That's what I asked you because you have a really good background in all sorts of different religions and philosophies. And I asked you, where did you learn this from? And you said mentors. Yeah. People. Definitely. Because you like to see someone who's living it. That's the person you want to get the advice from. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there, man, that they're, they're sharing really good messages, but they don't live it. Like you can just see it in people. Like I've, I've, my mentors, they were, you know, one of them was like over 60 years old and he could still like kick his leg up martial arts, like over his head, you know, like he could like flick his wrist and you like heard this, like, whoosh. like, I'm serious. These people are legit. And then there's other people that they're not about it. You know, they're, they're just like, they know the information, they're regurgitating it. They're kind of claiming it as their own. And that does a lot of injustice to a lot of people. So 
it's like I, that's why I struggle recommending books because every person's going to be a different whole. Yeah. You know? Like take what's best from each person, but you know, just apply it. Like that's the biggest thing. There's enough information that you already have up to this point. Just apply the things you know. Don't get caught up in your mind thinking, "Oh, I need to know more. I need to go to yeah. It'll happen. Have right? you ever gotten stoked about Emmett, like martial arts or any of that stuff? Yeah, dude. I would love to get into martial arts. I've talked about that. I'm I'm big into triathlons right now, so that's like really my main focus. And and documentary, like I said, that's kind of like where all my energy is. I'm really big on like find a find a few things, like one or two or three things that you know you're really passionate about dedicate your life to those and then once you kind of get into a point where you're like ma close to mastery then you can go on to other stuff so what do you do to consume nutrients during that yeah it you uh there's gels that you have um because if you eat solid food it like can really mess you up so this first ironman was 85 degrees as well so it was so hot we were in the adriatic sea in italy and there was jellyfish everywhere my first experience like it was crazy man it was it was a very intense experience but for nutrition um you know you have liquid formulas in your bottles and then you're eating like these sugar gels along the way but it's like 11 hours of constant you know like going so it's tough is it pure mental battle it's it's yeah yeah like definitely. your body can keep moving yeah, I mean, sometimes it can't, it, but you you always can keep going, you know? You got to listen to your body, though, because, like, if you go out and you're going too hard, you're going to crash. And, like, you know, I would pass people who literally would be on their bike, pass out, crash, and, like, just, on the just ground. eat it. Yeah, and just be unconscious because of heat. So you had to be, you have to, you know, that stuff, it's, it's about the mind, but it's also about fusing the mind with the body and that's why i love it that's why i love triathlon you know any distance sports it's you can't be all mind you can't be all body it's got to be a blend between the mind and the body the two have to be working together and i think we were talking about this with personal development a lot of it's about the mind mm. you know you're just dancing around up here in the mind and then you forget like i know people who actually believe like i'm not going to say names but they believe that what you eat is not important it's like it's all mental like you could basically have you know mcdonald's every day and you're still going to get the nutrients if you're like you know if you mentally know how to like program the yeah, food. yeah one second yeah. i think that's all <laughs> complete bullshit i think it's complete bullshit because find me one person that does that who can also do an iron man like you're not going to be able to maybe if you're in college because you just you know you can drink 13 beers and still wake up the next morning yeah. but uh not even when you're a grown-ass person. Yeah, even at that, like, I'm in way better shape than I was in college. And well, you're all about that health and wellness game, though. I definitely. Mean, you're at, are you yeah. still on a water fast? Uh, no, I just wrapped it. Nice. Yeah, so I did a three-day fast. I and I did incorporate some juices because I went on a run, and I was, like, I was feeling it. But, yeah, just just knocked out a fast. Is water fasting, for people that have never tried it, as simple as just saying, F it, I ain't, I'm just going to drink water for the next three days? Uh, No. You got to be careful. You got to kind of work your way into it. So um, I don't recommend people that have never fasted to just go into a three-day fast. I think what I would do is, you know, try one day, right? Try 24 hours of no fat, of no food. Um, or even if you're just starting, like do intermittent fasting. So keep your eating window to like three, four hours and then don't eat for, you know, the rest of the day. Wake up, do the same thing. Um, yeah, fast. 
fasting is is huge. Like there's a reason why Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Like it's, it's a very deep spiritual practice where when you eliminate food from your diet, so much of our mental health, our issues that we have is because our food. And when you ask the typical average person, when's the last time you went a whole day without eating? Most people might say, I've never done that. That's such a big issue that people don't know. Yeah. Like you think about modern science and everything that's known. We don't, like people don't do that. But you look at cultures that do do that and they do it religiously. Yeah. You know, no pun intended in the sense that it's for your body. Right. It's good. Think, think about when you break a bone, right? Like just say you like have a stress fracture or even a fracture. What does your body do? It heals right? It heals the bone without you doing anything. Your body is designed to heal itself. So if you've gotten into a point where you have cancer, if you have, you know, some disease or whatever, your body can heal. And I think what Western medicine does is they say, oh, well, we can give you a pill. Band-aid medicine. Yeah, exactly. Surface, Surface level stuff. So, you know, fasting, eating, you know, really high vibrational foods is what I'm really big on. And I think Every single person can heal their body. I know genetics are a big, you know, they play a big role. But when you when you do the research, it's like well over 90% of the diseases that we have are not genetic. It's actually lifestyle. Got to get the good foods. What's your go-to yeah, like healthy meal? Yeah, what I have over there, I, I do salads. Um, I've got like different greens um, and then I do cooked foods as well. You're all so, about Erwan, right? Yeah, Erwan here in, in Los Angeles. We're spoiled out here in LA. LA has got, you know, so much vegan food. It's it's a really good spot. But no, I try to keep it like 80, 80% more raw and then 20% cooked. Um, raw, the reason being is when you cook foods over 118 degrees, uh, it kills the enzymes in the food. So what that means is that when you have the food, it's sitting in your stomach. Enzymes are basically like a like an Uber driver. They're taking the food that's coming into your into your system and it's delivering it to the cell. And without those enzymes, it's much harder for your body to to break down the nutrients that your body needs. So if you're having like really cooked foods, lots of spices, lots of seasonings, you'll see people in cultures that have like heavier, denser foods. They've got big bellies. They're really sick. Like heart diseases on the rise. Um, you know, it's, it's cooked food, it's processed food, like all that stuff. I, I do not mess with any processed sugars, any, anything like that, like f- high fructose corn syrup, soda, yeah, like all well, that stuff is out I, of my I diet. Think people are definitely getting woke to the realization that high fructose corn syrup is bad, but yeah. manufacturers have also figured that out too by saying in big bold letters, yeah. no high fructose corn syrup. Right. But if you look at the directions, they're still plummeted with oh, stuff. Yeah, dude, most stuff that says like natural or like you know, that's another college course you need. Just reading food labels. Yeah. 101. And also like USDA organic means 95% of what's in that is organic, not a hundred percent. So USDA organic, you have to pay $10,000 just to get that label. So think about that. You could put 5% of like just horse crap in a product and it's still organic. Yeah. Cleaning supplies are one of the biggest causes of a lot of this stuff. The cleaning supplies we use like ant killer, rodent killer, it's yeah. in every common household Americans. You goes divorce. into our water, all this stuff. Yeah, when we talk about this kind of stuff, I was just having the conversation. I don't, I don't like you know bringing this up to be negative. I like bringing this up because it's an opportunity, right? Like for people out there listening to this, for anybody out there, the biggest opportunities. There's uh, so many opportunities. Wa- opportunity exists 
to it's like fish you know swimming in water it's the same thing opportunities exist to humans as water is to a fish like we have limitless opportunities all around us and you can see by all these dated things with our food supply with our education system with transportation like there's endless opportunities mm-hmm. for us there's so much problems that need to be solved that anyone so can much. choose to solve yeah we could never solve all the problems we have in this lifetime so for people that are complaining about what do i do i'm lost i don't know it's like yo solve a problem solve homie. a problem find a problem and solve it and believe in yourself you'll feel so good about it too when you find out when you find a problem, like for me, education, I found out education is a problem because of my experience with education. I had a really, really shitty time with my uh, K through 12. I just, it was just not for me, man. I was a very creative kid. I did not like school, like the structure of school. I liked to draw. I liked to, you know, play with cameras. I liked to create. I loved all that kind of stuff. And so school just disregarded that. Um, but when you get to the top of who's solving the problem, like fast forward, you know, from my experience with education, 10 years, I started to like say, Hey, I'm going to try to fix this education system. And then the more you start to go, you're like, damn, I thought this was going to be like really competitive. I thought there's going to be a lot of people up here and there's not like, there's a, there, there are a lot of people who are solving education. Don't get me wrong, but kids, my age like in their 20s who are also doing it, it's very few. I think it's the same thing with any other problem. I think people psych themselves out. They're like, oh, wow, that problem. How would I solve it? You know? Yeah, they make these assumptions like it's unsolvable. Like, oh, there's too much. I'm too late. That's a big thought. I'm I'm too late to the the poll. Yeah, it's the one person who says, you know what? Fuck all that. I'm going to go do it. That's the person who does it. That's the person who fixes it all. It's kind of crazy, even with our company with Trueface, how quickly we realize that you know we're one of the leading brands in machine learning and facial recognition. And it's just like, yeah. wow, this happened. This yeah. happened quick. Yeah, and I'm sure you guys are seeing it. Like, there's a lot of companies out there that have a very presentable brand, very you know good looking thing on the on paper, and then when you get to know them, it's like, what are you guys even doing? Like, you're raising you know a hundred million dollars. All that money went to like salary and buildings. Isn't and that crazy? All, it's so inefficient, man. I'm blown away learning more just about when you're just in business dealing with companies, how some of these massive companies are run by children. You know, yeah. they don't know what's going on, which in the other end, you know, being a child is good. You want to strive to be a man child. But just in terms yeah. of getting shit done, Get a boss everyone's on a vacation, man. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's the same thing that happens with nonprofits. Like anything, like a small business, like a smaller nonprofit can be more effective than like a billion dollar company or like a a multi million dollar company because they have to be efficient. Like they can't, you know, have all this expensive stuff. Like I was in, when I was in Bolivia, for example, um, I was, I was with a guy who owns a nonprofit and he was telling me about the Red Cross. Like there was a water crisis in like, Uganda or like, um, you know, some place in Africa and to fix this water crisis, <laughs> the, the red, red cross got involved. They had an AC one thirty. it landed back opens up two Humvees come out all decked out in red cross, by the way. So this is like, let's just stay $20 million right there. And then the jet fuel to get over to Africa. And then a water truck comes out filled with water. And so then the water truck delivers the water, but all that money, $20 million just to get 
one water truck over where they could have just paid for all the water yeah, trucks. Who's signing that paper, man? Who's got that job that signs that twenty mil? Like, well, <laughs> dude, it's it's a whole nother story. I don't. It's a whole get system. Into, yeah, right. it's just being inefficient. Right, is is a big thing. So. Like you said, small companies and startups and, and small businesses, that's what this country really runs off of. Mm-hmm. And that's why we need systems in place to let our small businesses flourish. And, you know, companies that have three, four, five people or startups that have one, two, three people are, dude, they can make a big change. So let's talk about mission critical for Spencer Taylor. We're talking let's about education. We're talking about documentaries. You are all about it. You've seen it early on. You love them. You think that document, do you say documentaries or documentaries? I say documentaries. <laughs> documentaries. Kind of like mesh it in there. Yeah. Mesh it in there. Do you think that's the future? I mean, it's in not even the future. It's, it's now in regards to film. Yeah. Yeah. In regards to film. Well, yeah, I think, you know, when you, you get to this point where every film is kind of like the same story over and over. Right. And told just, in a million different just, ways. Yeah. It's just slightly different. Like superhero movies, it's like, okay, we know, like, the superhero's not gonna die, they're gonna fix it all. And, like, Marvel does a great job of making superhero movies. I love those. Super movies. movies. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But um, when it comes to documentary, you're documenting, you're documenting real stuff that's happening. Like, there's, it's, it's real stories, and it's incredible. And back when I started documentary film, I remember I saw it, I was like, wow, I would rather film real stuff then like artificially create something and it just wasn't my calling so i think the explosion of documentaries has just been insane what's that new platform you said that's gonna is coming out or has come out that quibi quibi yeah quibi from jeffrey katzenberg yeah he sold dreamworks uh for like 3.8 billion he's starting his own platform but you also have like amazon you have apple you have you know netflix you have all these other platforms that are popping up. I know Nat Geo is doing one. So you were talking about that, I think. Like, it's it's just such an amazing time to create content that can shift people's minds. Yeah, and that's what you're doing with this tour coming up. So you rented yeah. a tour bus. Yeah, I just bought it. You bought a tour bus. Yeah, bought a tour bus, 37-foot Winnebago. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, baby. It's sick. So stoked. That's like every person's dream, right? Yeah. Rent the tour bus with the homies and go out on a mission. But you're not going around singing. You're going around documenting amazing humans in the education system and trying to show the inefficiencies of what's happening. But also you are offering a solution. Yeah. Yeah. So the the whole goal for me is to really change the education system in a big way. I think backtracking when you look at how our education system started here in america it tells you a lot about why we're at where we're at um in 1892 there was a group called the committee of 10 so it was 10 uh it was a mix of university presidents um it was the secretary of education at the time and think this is 1892 like try to put yourself in that mindset like this is industrial revolution like the country's still expanding into the west like there's a lot of stuff still going on you know Um, so this is, this is back in the day. And so what these guys decided is they said, you know, we're going to teach everybody the same, no matter what they want to do, we're going to teach them the same things and we're going to test them in the same way. And we don't, we don't care what they want to do. We're just going to prepare them for, you know, these standards that we think are necessary. And so, you know, fast track to where we are now today, think about how many systems still operate that way, right? Standardized testing, college admissions, 
you know, K through 12, a bell rings and you go from one classroom to the next classroom. And then there's a teacher sitting in front of you telling all the kids what to do. All that's teaching is compliance because in 1892, we were trying to prepare a workforce to go into the industrial model. So now look at the time we're in. We're in a digital renaissance in a sense. That same model is absolutely not what we need right now. We yeah. need a completely different model. We need as many creative thinkers and free thinkers as humanly possible. We don't need to teach compliance. We don't need to teach obedience. We need to teach people how to access their creativity and how to express that properly. Like education is the, is the such grading a thing. thing has to figure out too. We need a new way to grade. Yeah, so I have a solution for that. So one of the one of the psychologists that I've interviewed, she's a world-renowned psychologist. Her name's Carol Dweck, and she's a Stanford psychologist. She was, you know, studying all these different education systems all over the country, and she went to Chicago and she found this school that had completely abandoned grades. And so instead of the, you know, A, B, C, D, all those those the graded model, they switched that out to a model of yet or not yet. So you either got it or you didn't get it yet and they hooked up uh brain scanning devices on these kids and they found that the kids who went through the pass or fail system they whenever they approached a problem their brain was dead they had no brain activity because when you're told you're you're a failure what makes you want to fail more right when you're like hey here's a d it's like i okay like fuck that dude i don't want to do this anymore yeah 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 and then when you're told ah, you didn't get it yet well then they measured their brains in the yet or not yet system and their brains were super active anytime they faced a problem so grades in a sense even are very archaic it's why are we first off let's just think of a standard right the concept of a standard is ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous and that's why we have so many mental health problems. And that's why we're in such a bad situation that we're in. Think about, I like to use the example of snow, right? When snow comes down from the sky, every single snowflake, there's trillions of them. Every single one is different. So that's like us picking one snowflake out of this whole entire snowstorm and saying, this is the standard. All of you, every single one of you other snowflakes, you have to look like this. If you don't, well, you're just not there yet. That's manipulation. That's foolish. Yeah. Like, it's so stupid that we have these standards. And so when we see a billboard with Kylie Jenner, all these girls think that's the standard. That's what I have to look up to, right? Or even at a younger age, Disney princesses or like all these other things. This is the standard, right? We have to be a princess. We have to have a man save us and take care of us. Like all these ideas about standards get plugged into kids' minds at a very young age. I love what you mentioned there. If I get a D, oh, well, I'm a D. I'm a straight D. Yeah. I'm just going to act like a D. I've been labeled a D. If you can call me a D, it is what it is. D's yeah. nuts, right? It yeah. is what it is. It is what it is. But it's like if you just, everyone is good at something. Yeah. Some people, as we were talking the other day, some people are fantastic at maybe engineering or maybe marketing or maybe drawing or maybe picking out fantastic rugs. Yeah, you know, everyone exactly. has some. And you can make a shitload of money picking out really fantastic rugs. And like you, you gotta just can. You just gotta find your niche. You gotta find your thing. Yeah. You can suck at everything, but find your one thing, and you find true happiness. Exactly, and that's what our education system needs. That's the solution. What you just described is 
is we need to, instead of trying to force everybody into the same classes, the same structures and the same standardized tests and all that crap, we need to identify what each student, what each kid loves to do. That takes time. That takes an army to help figure out. It takes working with the parents. It takes working with the teachers. It takes working with the principal. It takes everybody. The whole community has to help identify what do you like, right? What, do you, what are you passionate about? And you can't do that if you're only giving them three options, five options, a hundred options. You got to just go. And if, okay, so you find out this isn't what you like to do. Okay. On to the next. That's not what you like. Nope, 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 nope. Yes. I love you know, finding rugs. I love, you know, creating jewelry. I love creating films or music, or I want to be a doctor, right? Or I want to, I want to be a scientist. I want to be an astronaut. You identify all these things and you don't limit them. You don't say, no, nah, you know, the world doesn't need more astronauts. The world needs more of this. The world needs more of that. That's all bullshit. That's not your decision to make. As an adult, that is not your decision to make. That is the kid's decision. When they get to a certain point in their life, they might say, oh, I don't really you know, want to be an astronaut, but thank God I learned all this because I do want to be a rocket scientist. You know, I do want to be a part of NASA. I just don't want to be an astronaut. You know, it's like, let, uh, let these young people, give them space. Why are we pressuring them? Why are we giving them so much pressure to do something that we think is is the right thing? It's just ridiculous, dude. Yeah. Well, you can see it. It's personal to you. You know, you can see that this is something that could have hindered us. What if we were yeah. told we could do anything for those 16 years? Look at what we can do now. Look at what many of our friends are doing now. Yeah. What if they were told that they could do that at four years yeah. old, five years old, 10 years old? Yeah, that's why it is personal because I remember I had dreams that I had with my friends like I dreamt of going on a tour with my friends. I dreamt of doing all these things of like opening businesses with my friends, but you know, where are they now? It's like a lot of them, no, and no offense to them. A lot of them are doing some really badass stuff, but you know, I just look at like how school just divided us. It just took, yeah, took us even all the away. Ivy league system in itself is terrible. In my opinion, it's like, Oh, you went to an Ivy league school. You must be so much more intelligent. I used to think about that as the, all my friends that did get into Ivy leagues. So I was like, Oh damn. Those homies, they know it's good. Yeah. But now, you know, three, five years later, it's like the law of averages happen. And those people that were working at Ivy League schools tend to be working the same jobs that the people yeah. that just continued hustling. Yeah. And some of it's, you know, some of them do thrive. Some of them are incredible human beings. And then, you know, some of it is you got to be careful because just because you have a degree from that school, like Elizabeth Holmes, right? It's like you get a degree from Stanford and then you open this pharmaceutical company that's a scam and, you know, bad shit happens. So, yeah, I agree. I think. It's really about the, the separation that we have. Like a lot of people don't understand since the Brown versus Board of Education, which is a big moment in history where we said, you know what, we're going to accept all races. We're going to open up our, our doors to, to African-Americans. Since that moment, we're still badly segregated. And a lot of it isn't as much about race anymore as it is about resources. You know, if you have a lot of money, you can receive a much better education. If you don't have that much money, eh, you got to go to a community college. You can't really receive the same education. And that's, that's bad, man. Anytime in a society that you're, you're segregating the quality of education, that's a very dangerous moment. And I believe firmly there's a way to still be, you know, a capitalistic, you know, entrepreneur based economy and still provide everybody an equal education. 
And it doesn't have to come from the government. It just has to come from our awareness. We have to shift what it means to be educated. I, I want to bring up the medical journey. My brother's a surgeon and a lot of these people that get into the medical field, they decide at, you know, freshman year that they want to be a doctor and they're signing up for about, you know, 15 years of their life before they're ever going to make any sort of significant income. I mean, you got to go through the trenches, especially if you don't have money, you rack up three, four hundred thousand dollars in debt just to become right. a doctor. Yeah. I feel like that needs to change somehow. Absolutely. I mean, when you look at how the medical industry really is funded and why college costs so much, right? It's because of the pharmaceutical companies. Like you as a doctor, you're required to take like one course on nutrition. Think about that. One course, like it's like four hours of credits or something like that. I know that because my mom was a nurse and I know that from a lot of doctors, like nutrition is not the focus. It's about, you know, how can we take all of these people and push them through a medical system where they learn how to, you know, prescribe things and doctors are phenomenal. Trust me. Like they do need a lot of that education to do the things that they need to do. Cause I know if I got sick, if I broke a bone or something like I'm so grateful for that doctor, mm -hmm. but I think I'm sure it's not my expertise. I don't want to like get into it and offend people, but I do think there are much more efficient ways that we right. can do things like, you know, do we have to go through all of these courses to right. learn what it means to be a doctor or would it just make more sense? Like find these people who really are talented and good, you know, candidates to be doctors and, you know, let them like learn directly from doctors. Like that's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, people I, to do that. I'm no expert on this subject too, to make this clear. I just see from what I experience. And my brother yeah. tells me, you know, he learns more when he's in a clinic following a doctor, he's talking to patients every single day than he can from four or five years of studying. Definitely. Right? Definitely. That's how anything it's is. Kind of like I said, do we need the Pythagorean theorem? No. It's a great name though. Pythagorean no. theorem. Cool. That maybe dude some, crushed maybe, it. Maybe some people do, right? Maybe if you're like figuring out how a, a rocket ship goes around Mars, maybe you do need to know what a parabola is, but like, dude, in the last, when in the hell are you actually using some of these things in your real life? And then people justify like, no, like math is really good for problem solving. And that's why we should do that. I'm like, okay, I agree. Right. Math is great. But calculus trigonometry, like when is the last time I was doing anything with those things? You can, you can learn problem solving from other things. And that's what people need to, people need to get out these dated ideas of like problem solving comes from math. Like, okay, no, it doesn't. It comes from us coming face to face with a problem and solving it, right? It doesn't come from math. I think teachers are really good people too, but the way it's structured right now, it hinders their ability to teach. Absolutely, dude. I was talking to a teacher last night. I, I showed my documentary trailer and a, a few teachers came up to me and one of them said like, what you're doing is the reason why I left education. She's like, I had all these, you know, really cool things I was bringing to the class and you know, once the school found out that I was doing it, they punished me and, you know, they said, nope, you can't do that. If you do that anymore, you're fired. And the kids were loving it. And she had to go right back to teaching for a curriculum. Like every single teacher is under so much pressure. And if you took away that pressure and you said, hey, the goal, your goal, right, is not to prepare kids for college. Your goal is to help them identify what they want to do. That's so different. Like, I don't know if you can relate to this, but in middle school, 
the the or in elementary school all the teachers are like oh you got to prepare for middle school right you got to you got you're not going to be ready for middle school and then you get into middle school they're like oh you're not going to be ready for high school you got to you got to know this or else you're not going to do well in high school and then you get into high school they're like okay you got to do this you got to do this if you want to go to college college is going to be it's going to be much harder blah 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 and then you get to college and it's like by the time you get to college you're finally doing a little bit of what you want to do like but you still don't know how to do your laundry right <laughs> unless your parents right? taught you like how crazy is but they're that? not teaching creation right they're not teaching you to be a creator like a thinking outside the box or putting you into a bucket to yeah. follow because that's what's going to get you a comfortable job and Definitely. push you along a system that makes certain people a ton of money yeah the the best way to teach creativity is to not kill it because that's the thing is we have we have this there's this beautiful study done by a guy named dr george land he passed away but he was working with nasa and he created this test that would measure creativity in NASA because they needed people for a very advanced project. Very simple test, but it was very effective. And the test was so effective that they're like, let's try this on kids. Let's see how kids like, you know, let's see what the results are. So they did this on a study of 1600 kids and they found that 98% of those kids operated at a genius creativity level. And so they're like, well, let's, you know, let's, make this a longitudinal study. So they checked back in with that same group when they were 10 years old. That dropped down to 30%. When they did the test again, when they were 15, it dropped down to 12%. They've done this test thousands of times and they've tested people that are 25 and up 2%. 2% of the population has a create uh, genius level of creativity. And you wonder why 1% of the population controls 40% of the wealth. It's because of that. It's because of, there's an assault on creativity and it just slowly time and time goes by death, 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 one by one by one. You just box them up. That's the big, that's the biggest world war going on that no one talks about. 100%. Even recognizes the yeah. war of creativity. Yeah. That's powerful. It is. It's deep and nobody even knows it's going on. You know, everybody thinks like, let's play it safe. You know, let's, you know, be comfortable. Let's get our, you know, all these you know, financial systems in place and let's just, you know, collect a paycheck, get a job, retire. And like, you know, if that's what you want to do, great. I'm not dogging on it at all, but I know future generations, they, we need to change this. Like, I don't want to keep, I don't want to see this keep, you know, perpetuating. So we're going to take this, we're going to take this mes message. We're going to take this passion and you're going to put it into a documentary. I want to yeah. see the trailer, by the way. We're going to put that in the show notes for everyone that's listening and wants to check out the trailer. Cool stoked yeah so you're gonna we're going out on this trip and i act like as if i'm in the bus with you yeah and uh you're just gonna bounce around to these different spots it's all mapped out is there a certain person you're super excited to to meet and talk with yeah dude actually tomorrow i'm interviewing um there's a guy named sir ken robinson he's written a bunch of books on education he has the number one most viewed ted talk of all time it's over 60 million views on ted and it's been viewed and transcribed like all over the world and i was at a film premiere like probably like four days ago and I, I met him there. He was just sitting there at the after party. And I was like, I looked over. I was like, what? Like, I don't fanboy any celebrities. And that's like kind of how I've gotten to the point where I'm at in life. Like, I don't, I don't care if you're a celebrity, man. I really don't. Um, I care like who you are. Like, what, are you cool? Are you, you know, are you doing something cool? And uh, I fanboyed him for sure. Because that was like my, you know, that's like the peak. That's the top. And it's crazy because right before I went on tour, I'm meeting like the peak of education, the guy that's at the top and I'm interviewing him tomorrow. So I think along the way, like I would, 
I would love to connect with, you know, athletes and musicians and, you know, all sorts of people, but I'm not really stressing it. Like if you're passionate about education, I'm excited to meet you. I know it's going to happen. I like what you just mentioned. It's like, you're a homie or you're not a homie. Are you like, do I want to eat lunch with you or do I not want to eat lunch with yeah, you? Yeah, straight up. I feel like you have a different perspective on it because you, you've seen it. You're deep in that, in that world too. I mean, your podcast, fantastic, crushing it. How did you get linked up into that? Oh. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, when I, I moved to Los Angeles, um, mainly cause I was just sick of the winter on the line <laughs> yeah, for real. in the Midwest. And, um, I started to just network with people, get connected out here. I was making enough money so that, you know, money wasn't an issue. So I started to, you know, meet up with these different influencers that were on a platform called vine at the time. And one of them was Jake Paul and this is back, like, I think he had maybe just started an Instagram account. Like, Instagram wasn't what it is now. Like, Instagram was, like, creative people, like, posting, like, artsy photos or, like, people posting, like, what they ate for lunch, you know? And uh, Vine was the big platform. And so I started to get connected with these people through mutual connections through Vima. Christian, Shout out. Christian Sager. Actually, he connected oh, me. Oh, Christian to, did? Yeah, Christian connected me to Jake. And we went and we filmed uh, some some videos and, you know, I just hit it off with Jake. And I really, I was, I've always looked for people, like, I wanted to be like Rob Deerdeck. Rob Deerdeck was like my idol as a kid. I was like, yo, I want a fantasy factory. I want to have my homies. I want to be doing crazy stuff. Like, I want to be living it. And so I think that that dream kind of led me to the people who were doing it. And so I think subconsciously unconsciously i moved to la and you know the universe just started connecting me with people that you know those are you know people that are in a similar frequency you know yeah. might not be the answer but it's go work for them go you know go learn from them so you're you're thinking about this ideal lifestyle and you find people that are doing it and you make an effort to surround yourself with those people next thing you know you're in the squad you're doing yeah. it you're living it that's yeah, a big key that's a big lesson right there I gave a lot up front like and I did not expect anything back like I never charged for my work like I literally would do so much stuff for free and I probably did too much right there is a way to avoid you don't need to do everything for free but I was making enough money. Like I wasn't, I, and I think that's an important message, right? If you're new and you're getting started and you're in something like get your finances taken care of so that you don't have to put the pressure on the people that you're working with. Like that's the biggest thing. Whenever somebody comes to work with me and they're like, dude, I'm really desperate right now. I'm like, uh, okay, I'm going to go find somebody else. Like, I know that might sound like a dick, but it's not because that's not my, that's not my responsibility. Like I, I'm, I'm concerned about, you know, me and, you know, my vision and what I'm taking care of. So I, I knew that early on, like with influencers that I was working for, I never wanted to be like, okay, well, uh, I'll do this, but how much are you going to pay me? I would be like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And then I would never hit them up about money. And it got to the point where I was doing so much work for them and adding so much value that they were like, dude, like I, you know, how much is it going to cost? How do I keep you? Like, yeah. yeah. They're like, what do you need? And I'm like, eh, I mean, you know, I just need my expenses covered like three, three grand a month, five grand a month. And like done. So I think that's a, that's a thing that a lot of young people struggle with, mm -hmm. you know? I like, mean, I they, worked, I worked for free with our startup for a while before yeah. we did anything. Yeah, we talked about that. It was all huge. about just getting in, just getting in with the homies, you know, yeah. making sure that they see that you're passionate about it. I admire that about you because, you know, coming from somebody who was very successful, you know, you're making a lot of money as a young kid. And then 
you know, you have to shift into a new industry, you humbled yourself. I saw a lot of people from the Vima times that just didn't really humble themselves. Like they, they were winning on a big level and then they didn't want to show when they weren't winning. And that hurts you, right? Because I think the biggest thing that people are drawn to is vulnerability, you know, like, Hey, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm going through. I really like that. You, you joined a startup. You're like, yo, screw it. I'm just going to dive in and do whatever for free for a while. And I'm sure, you know, that's landed you where you're at. And now you're just learning, absorbing and, you know, all sorts of opportunities are coming your way. Well, likewise about you, I like that you just enjoy the process, right? Yeah. Because it's like, people always think that if we get to that next level, we're going to arrive. But every single day, like, it's like, boom, like right now we out here in LA and Venice, we with the homie Spencer Taylor. It's a damn good day to have a damn good day. Exactly. And I think the, you know, people are either stressing about the the future or like they're they're stressed about the past or they're anxious about the future. And the only thing you can control is how you feel now. So it's a process, right? It it takes time. Like you were just saying, like you wanna you wanna work to unplug from your phone and unplug from social media and like part of it you can't you kinda can't. You gotta like you gotta answer calls, you gotta stay on top of things and you gotta do that. So do you think happiness is completely a choice? Because you've been able to surround yourself with a lot of people that many people would aspire to be, right? The top, top 1% of this, you know, LA and this type of people. You've met a lot of people. Yeah. Do you find that they are much more happy than just the, like, some of your friends that say just are working and an average type of living? Yeah. And what's up? Yeah. I, it's good. It's making me think. I, th- I really feel like happiness is a choice. Like, I think suffering is optional, and, you know, I know it's easier for me to say, I know there's people out there that have had it much, much worse than me. Um, and so, you know, it's difficult, right? Cause sometimes we're going through just crazy shit and I think it's important to embrace that and to own it and to, uh, you know, choose to use it for the good. You can choose to use it for the bad. You can think everything's out against you, but I think when you look at some of the, you know, most successful people, you look at like the Jay-Z's, you look at like Nipsey or like you look at artists or business owners that have risen to just massive success. They started off in a really bad situation, right? They were growing up in the projects, their family was getting killed. Like, I don't think there's any excuse out there. I think there's always somebody who's made it out. And if you want to be the person to make it out next, you can. And if you want to be the person to make an excuse, you also can. So I do think it is a choice. My homie, Mike Parzak, shout out. He was telling me that he's now a chiropractor. He runs this thing. And he says that some people will come in and everyone has different pain thresholds. Like someone will come in and Definitely. they have seemingly nothing wrong with them, right? There's like their back's fine. Everything's fine. But they're freaking out at level 10 pain. And then it's totally fine right after, right? right. But then there's other people that have like three broken ribs, three back surgeries, yeah have limped in and they walk in. What's up, man? How's it doing? I feel great. You know, playing the game tomorrow. Just get me right. It's like that pain threshold. You know, do you, what is your pain threshold? What brings you down? Like, I think that's a question we all need to ask mm, ourselves. That's good. That's a good question. Cause even with me, like I, I definitely have went through a lot of challenges over the past year, way more than I've ever had physically. And although other people have had it way worse to me, it's the worst thing I've ever experienced. And I feel like even though when you hear someone that says they've had stage four pancreatic cancer, you just don't know what that is until you go through it. Right. Even when someone's telling you about it, it's so hard to put your mind there unless you've been through it. Yeah. That dude, that's a big reason why I've chosen to get into Ironmans. Like that's the reason why I chose to get into triathlon because 
I don't have some like life threatening illness. I don't have, you know, like physical pain that I've, I've gone through cause I've taken care of my body for quite a long time, you know, and I swam like that's really easy on your body. So, you know, I choose to put myself into situations where I have to, I have to like confront my pain tolerance. Cause when you're, you know, 130 miles into a race or you're, you're, you know, hopping off a 112 mile bike and you have to go into a marathon and you're in 85 degree heat, like, bro, that's the worst shit ever. It sucks. And, and you just have to power through it. So I seek those opportunities where I can put myself into the situation because, you know, if you don't, and if you just want comfort and you want everything to be happy, I think we live in, and, um, one of my mentors, Darren Olin says this, I think we live in a time where there's a lot of fatal conveniences. I think it's very convenient that we can go down, you know, we can get a coffee, we can get, you know, a beer, we can, you know, eat whatever we want to eat. We can, you know, get a nice fancy car and we can, you know, have water coming out of our sink, but the water coming out of our sink might not be the healthiest for you, right? Like eating whatever you want might not be the healthiest for you. So I, I just always choose to try to live a life where I'm not, comfort isn't my goal, you know, like comfort's kind of like a luxury to me. And I think really my goal is like pushing myself to be the best and comfort's kind of the enemy for me. I I'm like, anytime I start to get comfortable, I'm like, damn, ice I, bath. I need to change something ice up. bath, homie, jump in the ice. Exactly. Do something, right? Do something that's uncomfortable. Fatal conveniences. I'm going to, I'm going to learn from that. That's a great word that can describe a lot. That could be a book in itself. Yeah. That's it, a, that'd be a great it, book title. Man. I think you got to start just looking around at you. Look, look, at your life and say, man, what are my fatal conveniences? What, what is so easy for me that it's like making me a weaker human being? So Spencer, this is something I love to ask anybody from all different ranges of life. And it kind of goes back to looking back when you were say 16 years old. And if you were to be able to tell yourself and you could have said like, what up, homie, it's you 10 years later, how you <laughs> yeah. doing? Yeah. You know, you're, you're I'm not a New Yorker now. You're not hallucinating. Yeah. You, you know, you're, this is legit. <laughs> Time's taken. Yeah. You know, what would you have told yourself that could have saved you a ton of time, money, heartache? And obviously the, the answer can't be nothing because it made me who I am. But, right. you know, but what, what do you think that 16 year old person needs to hear? I, I would just like affirm to my, to myself that like, yo, your dreams are going to come true. Like that'd be the biggest thing. Like your dreams are going to come true. And, um, I think that would just play with my young mind. I'd be like, what? Like, you know, cause I, I, it's interesting. I instantly think of my grandma when my, when I was very young, I was super young. I was probably like five or six or so. And my grandma would always tell me, she's like, I don't know what it is, but I think you're going to do something really big. Like, I don't know what it is. And it would bug me. I would always ask her, I'd be like, what it like, what is it? What am I going to do? And like, <laughs> So I think that stuff goes a long way. When you just like tell somebody like, I think you're going to do something really, really big. Then it like bugs you. You're like, damn, like I got to do something really big. You know? So that's what I would tell my, tell myself is like, yo, you're going to do something really big. It's like, if you could see into the future and it's like, sometimes you don't want to know because it'd be like, oh, five years, death's coming, homie. Now the next <laughs> every day you're looking out like, where's it coming? Like you're like freaking out. I'm wearing three helmets. Yeah. I but think that's the beauty of life. Like. That's why I don't want to go see a psychic. I don't want, you know, somebody to read me and tell me like, what's my, you know, what I'm going to do here. I think the beauty in life is figuring that out. Like the journey, 
the journey is epic, dude. The adventure that life offers is incredible. And the more creative you are, the more open you are, the better that journey is going to be. If you choose to allow yourself to believe that that is the case, mm. right? Because mm. most people have been there in a situation that they don't believe that's real. Yeah. You know, it's especially just you can get caught up in a cloud. Definitely. Yeah, you get caught in a fog. I think a lot of people are living in the fog. I think a lot of people are. I think they're, you know, they're just misled. Like it goes back to the intuition. Like they're in, they've just been treating themselves poorly. They've, you know, they haven't been giving their body what it needs, mind what it needs. They haven't been believing in themselves. So then that pushing their limits in, too. Yeah, that plants them in an environment where other people are thinking like that. And, you know, it's like, why, you know, no, I mean, all my friends are doing the same thing. So like I'm, what I'm doing is not that bad. Get your ass out of the fogs, homie. Get True. those high beams on. We got True. great technology today. YouTube's out there. There's good people like Spencer in the world yeah. making documentaries and, and putting actual change out there. One video can change your life. Find something you're passionate about. Make moves on it. And there's a lot of people right now that are currently working a job or they're currently working something that... Maybe not might be their passion. Yeah. And they're right on the fence of saying, screw it. I'm going to go take my savings and I'm going to go rent a van, like a giant bus with my homies and make a dog, like whatever it is. Yeah. But something's holding them back. Maybe it's because it's real world responsibilities, kids, jobs, whatever. Mm -hmm. But what would you say to that person that's right on the fence of starting that first business or jumping into that dream for the first time? Mm. Uh, be patient. Like, yeah. Be patient with yourself. I think... If you're, you know, waiting tables or if you're doing whatever you're doing, there's a, there's a reason why you're doing it. Like there's, there's a challenge in front of you. And I think that challenge is being positive. Like I've, I've talked to so many people who work in a retail job or, you know, and they're always complaining about something that happened that day. And I'm like, yo, I challenge you to just live a whole day of just being positive. That's going to make you like a warrior, right? It's like when you go to the military you know, if someone's like, oh, like, boot camp kind of sucked today. Like, you know, it was just the instructor like told us to crawl under the barbed wire and I was just not feeling it. It just pissed me off. Like, who gives a shit, dude? You got to go do that. You got to go get that done. And I think that's the, everybody's looking for like, you know, some soft like cop out. And they're like, yeah, I feel kind of like, I don't know, I'm upset. And then will you listen to me? And people vomit all their problems on you. Like, if you can go within and if you're working a shit job, if you're doing something crappy, like do it with your all, give it your all and things will work out, right? Don't be so negative. Don't be so like impatient and be like, oh, I just wish I was like at the top of the world right now. Like if you're mowing a lawn, dude, have fun mowing that lawn, right? If you're doing some like hard ass labor, have fun doing it. Like just turn on some music and get it done. Like turn on a podcast, get it done. Like that's, that's where a lot of people get caught up and they get like information overload. Um, but I think the simplest thing is to just calm down. Just do find fun in what you're doing. Find fun. And if you can do that, get childlike. Yeah, dude, life is going to take you to some really cool places. Like this is, this is a perfect example, right? Like somebody could walk in the door, you meet them and boom, your life changes because you met that person. But if you were in a shit attitude and you're like, no, nah, I just don't even want to be out here today. And you go in the back, back room, you know, wherever you're working, that person comes in, you didn't meet them. You weren't open to it. The universe is ready, bro. Every single second of the day, the universe is ready to send you what you need. But 
people don't understand that. They don't know that. So they're like, ah, I mean, I'm in the middle of Michigan mowing a lawn. Like, you know, that's, what do you mean? It's like, yo, if you're just positive, if you are, you know, open, if you're searching for, you know, the right thing and the right person, like it's going to come, you'll find it. Visualize yourself better every day. And for everyone that's yeah. just first meeting Spencer for the first time, I mean, you live it, dude. I mean, you check out the Instagram page vibe, vibe source, yeah. unbelievable. You guys are almost at a Thank million you. followers yeah. and it's truly just good, happy stuff. Yeah. Which is tough about, to get man. a lot of people around that good, happy stuff. It's not yeah. as catchy and fun as, you no. know, viral content. Yeah. But the fact that you guys have gone that, it's got to be one of the biggest pages in that niche in the world. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's doing really well. Like you said, a lot of people just, I think people are becoming more open to wanting positivity. So I think it's a really cool time because, you know, that there's still, you know, I still love to watch a comedy stand up or, you know, a movie or something, but you know, I also like to have my daily dose of positivity. I think a lot of people are like that. Hell yeah. Let's IV up, go straight to the bloodstream. <laughs> Jamming in there, bro. All right, Spencer, how can the homies, how can everyone listening, how can people get more Spencer, follow the journey of yeah. everything? So at Spencer Vibes, V-Y-B-E-S is all my social media. And like you said, we're about to go on a tour all across the U.S. And I'm going to be daily vlogging that on the YouTube channel, um, putting a bunch of content out on Instagram. So yeah, that'll, it'll be really easy to find out what's going on. I appreciate your time. It's so great to see you. Yeah. It's so great to connect before the tour. Yeah. Thank you, brother. We'll definitely appreciate be keeping tabs. Absolutely. All right. Spencer Taylor, everybody. We out here. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones Party of Two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.